welcome once again to Raging and Eating. This is Rossi, better known as Chef Rossi, owner and executive chef of the Raging Skillet in New York bleep 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 city. Well, here we are, getting towards the end of the summer. I always felt sad when it would get towards the end of the summer, partially because that meant it was time to go back to school. And partially because I just love the summer, the sun, the water, everything. I think it might be a Leo thing, or maybe we all feel like that. But I always felt a little sad towards the end of the summer. Now, my parents got this cockamamie idea. Do you ever use that word? I think it's an old-fashioned word, but my father used it. I think it sort of means ridiculous. They got this idea that even though we lived on the Jersey Shore... And the best time in the world to be on the Jersey Shore was in the summer. That what they would do is take us for the entire summer to Panama City, Florida. Now, Panama City, Florida, even today, is affectionately known as the Redneck Riviera. But in the 1970s, wowza, it was about as redneck as you can get. No offense, Panama City, but come on. In the 70s, forget about it. Forget about it. And they bought these rinky-dink little bungalows. And they would always get rented out in the winter because normal people go to Florida in the winter. And in the summer, there was always one or two of them empty because no one wanted to be there. It was 110 degrees in the shade. Forget about it. And so they would drag us for the summer to stay in the unrented bungalow. Now, that meant that we had no furniture, no television. It was an empty bungalow with no television. Did I say that once? Let's say it twice. And no air conditioner. For the whole summer in Florida, 110 degrees often. I mean, it was just brutal. And the only thing we could do to keep from going stark staring mad was to entertain ourselves by chasing these giant palmettos. Now, we'd never even seen anything like that. Do you know what a palmetto bug is? Sort of like four or five times the size of a cockroach. Even when you step on them, they get back up. A little bit like the uh, crawling version of what people are complaining about now, at least in the New York area or the Northeast, which are those lantern flies. I mean, those things, wow, they're hard to kill. But anyway... So there we'd be sweltering and chasing around palmetto bugs and feeling really sad that we weren't in the ocean in New Jersey where we should be for the summer. But, you know, we kept ourselves entertained as best we could. And finally they built a mall in Panama City that was air-conditioned. So then my parents would drop us off in the mall and we would not leave the mall until after sundown. One time, when Star Wars first appeared, we went into the mall, my sister, brother, and I, and we sat in that theater in the back row and watched Star Wars and then just didn't get up when everyone got up. We watched it again and again. We watched it three times in a row. So that what was that, like six or seven or eight hours? I don't know how long that was. It was like an entire day of Star Wars. And there was nothing like that then. To be a kid and see Star Wars for the first time, I mean, it was just crazy astronomical for us. Amazing. And in some ways, I don't think I've ever quite been the same. 
But since we were spending our summer sweltering and being miserable in Panama City, Florida, I didn't mind so much when the summer was over because at least I was coming back to air conditioning and television and the vital ingredients of life. Now, why am I talking about all this? Because it is the end of August, it's getting to be the end of the summer, and so why not? Now, I did have a chance to jump in the ocean quite a few times this summer. And I also had a chance to jump in a swimming pool quite a few times this summer, which is a great achievement if you're working and running a business in New York City. Really, usually the closest I get to the water is walking along the FDR highway and trying to get a glimpse of the East River. It's a little bit sad and pathetic. But don't feel sorry for me, because like I said, I did get away a little bit. And so taking that into a different turn, I've been having kind of an interesting week. Interesting because on the one hand, I've been cooking some spectacular food, which I will tell you about because I'm a chef and I have a big mouth and that's what I do. But also because I've had the experience of being, well, let's just say betrayed or hurt or wounded or attacked or all of the above by uh, someone I love. Now, I'm sure you've had that experience too. How many times in your life have you been hurt by someone you love? It seems like it's easier to be hurt by someone you don't love because then you don't take it so personally. And then also, if you want to get a little revenge, you know, then you don't feel bad about it. I mean, you know, I'm an angry woman. I know about revenge. But when you get hurt by someone you love, it's a little harder to take. And I I think about it, you know, my whole life I've had that experience many times from different people. And I certainly had the experience from people I didn't love one little bit, probably people I kind of detested or hated. And what I, what I learned, and it took me a long time to learn this, is that if you hang on to the hatred, you hang on to the anger and the fury, it doesn't actually hurt the person who did it to you, who inspired that in you. Probably they don't even know. Or if they do, they don't care. You know, they were such a dingleberry, that's why they did it in the first place, right? But what it does is it hurts you. Like, for instance, way back in the seventh grade, there was this girl who was really, really mean to me. And I had this group of kids that I sat with during lunch, and she just got in her head that she wanted to turn them against me so that I would not be able to sit at that lunch table and she could be the queen of that lunch table. I don't know why she decided that, but she spent really half a year doing that. And unfortunately for me, the kids at the lunch table were a lot more afraid of her than they were interested in keeping me happy. And I wound up not being able to sit at that lunch table anymore. And it was a very traumatic thing for me. I guess, what was I like? 12? No, I was 13 years old. It's very traumatic. 13's a traumatic age anyway because there's puberty and there's all kinds of chazarai coming up. But to suddenly have to leave the lunch table full of people, you know, kids you liked because of a bully, a mean girl. Remember mean girls? She was one of, she was a mean girl. Then um, it's pretty traumatic. And I was already going through enough because I was 
sent to this rich school and my parents dressed me head to toe in Kmart blue light specials. And so it was a little hard to fit in. Sorry for the noise, by the way. My new upstairs neighbor seems to delight in bouncing around on my head. And so it's a little bit of an inconvenience in keeping my zen. But I shall try. So if you hear some noise, just understand that's what it is. And if you eventually hear me cursing him out, then just understand I'm losing my zen ever so slightly. But anyway, I digress. I'm going to walk into the other room and see if it's a little quieter because Mr. Dingleberry upstairs is banging on my head. So there you have it. You can see what kind of zen I'm in. Oh, it is quieter. How lovely. And I've taken you with me. So anyway, I was so angry at this girl that uh, harassed me when I was 13 that I hung on to it forever. And years later, I think I was at my 10-year high school reunion, She came up to me very affectionately, and she wanted to hug me and kiss me. She was so thrilled to see me. She just was over the moon happy to see me. And I looked at her. I said, I don't know why the hell you were being so happy to see me and so excited because you were total, I'm going to insert a few words I can't say on public radio, to me, um, what that, you know, what was that, 15, 20 years ago. And... You know, I'd like to see you drop dead, you know. Anyway, um, do you know she started to cry? She was so shocked and devastated and humiliated by what I told her that she started to cry. And she simply had no memory whatsoever of that happening. She had just forgotten. She was completely shocked, like, what? Had no memory of it whatsoever. And she was crying because... She was so upset and hurt at what I was telling her about her actions as a child. So I will admit, I have to admit to you, that I did get some pleasure out of making her cry. Okay, I admit it. I'm not a perfect human being. I did get some pleasure out of that. Forgive me. But um, what I mostly learned was that all those years I'd hung on to this grudge over the actions of a mean girl and it had only ever just hurt me inside I mean crazy to hang on to something that happens when you're 13 right she had no knowledge of it whatsoever just had not even it had ceased to exist for her so what does that mean that means I just hurt myself unnecessarily for all those years and the person that did the damage had no knowledge of it whatsoever so So a lot of other things I learned at that high school reunion, which if I don't forget, I'll go back to in a second. But what I learned is that if someone harms you, I mean, I'm not saying if someone someone commits a crime, then have them arrested and sent to jail. We're not talking about that. But if someone harms you emotionally, if they're rude, if if they betray you, if they harass you, or, you know, think of all the ways someone might be able to harm you emotionally. You know, yes, of course, defend yourself, you know, be true to yourself, be good to yourself. But do what you can to not hang on to the anger, to not hang on to the hurt. And even if it seems like their actions are unforgivable, do what you can to forgive them. And the reason is that you're not hurting them. 
by holding that grudge and holding that anger. You're only hurting yourself. And so if you can find it in your heart to forgive them, you're going to lift a boulder off your soul like you wouldn't believe. So I'm not perfect. I mean, I still have people I'm mad at, you know. Have I forgiven the mean girl from when I was 13? Well, uh, kind (laughs) of. I'm working on it. I'm still mad at her. Isn't that crazy? Even though I know it. But for the most part, I have family members who've done terrible things to me. You know, as much as I love them. And no one can hurt you like family. I think of um, my father, who I love dearly, and my mother, who I love dearly. My sister, who I love dearly. Three people I love dearly who are all gone now. And who I miss every day and look at their pictures and think of the good times I had with them. But all of them hurt me very badly at times in my life. And when I was younger, I would hang on to the hurt. And all it ever did was give me agita, acid reflux, ulcers. It didn't really hurt them. It just hurt me. And so I released that. And even though I know that maybe I'm painting a very pretty picture and I'm choosing to take some dark memories and cover them with wildflowers, I choose to do that because then I get to have the lighter, healthier, happier life. They're all in heaven, or I think my mother may be at an all-you-can-eat salad bar in heaven. and I think my sister is probably at an all-you-can-buy shopping spree in a mall where she has an unlimited credit card and she can get everything she wants. And I think my father is somewhere eating. He's eating kosher hot dogs and kosher Chinese egg rolls. But I forgive them and I love them and I choose to paint over any of the dark spots with flowers and music because that makes life easier. You know what I mean? So I don't know, am I, I'm not really a good Zen kind of holistic Mother Teresa chick, you know, because I'm flawed myself and sometimes I hang on to grudges longer than I should. And I do tend to really curse out people on bikes who go zooming through when you have the red light and it says walk and you go to walk and they go zooming through to kill you. I always stop and really let them know that I think they're a douchebag. You know, I feel like that's my duty. So I guess that means I'm not really such a Zen person, but, you know, I'm working on it. It's all a work in progress. So let me tell you about some of the awesome food that I made today because it was kind of crazy awesome. I got to work with someone I love in the kitchen, and you know how much I love working with people I love. And I got to listen to great rock and roll music and do my cooking and get my, you know, Zen going on. I got to make my favorite sauces. I made my cilantro chutney. I love that. So I wash and chop cilantro. I throw that in the food processor, which we call my esposa, my wife, or my other food processor is my esposo, my husband. I throw my cilantro in the food processor and I throw in some raw onion and some garlic and some jalapeno. That's Jewish jalapeno, right? I throw that in, and I puree puree, and then I throw in some cumin and some coriander and some 
chili powder, and puree, puree, and some garam masala, which is a gorgeous Indian seasoning, and some lemon juice, and a little bit of olive oil, and puree, puree, and a little salt and pepper, and it becomes this beautiful, beautiful, flavorful cilantro chutney, which I served with samosas. But then I was in the mood, so I then also made my world-famous green apple chimichurri. I threw in some fresh washed cilantro in my esposa and some jalapeno, because why not, and some green apple, because gorgeous, and a little bit of garlic, and cumin again, and chili powder and chipotle, puree, puree, and lime juice, and puree, puree, and olive oil, and puree, puree, and a little salt and pepper, puree, puree. Anyway, I got this gorgeous, spicy, lovely, tangy green apple chimichurri, which I served as a dip for empanadas, a beautiful thing. And then I made my world-famous Chef Rossi's Creole cocktail sauce for shrimp, which I love making. And basically, I mix ketchup with a little bit of my down-home barbecue sauce and some horseradish and some grain mustard and salt and pepper and a shot or two of Tabasco and a little itty-bitty drizzle of gluten-free tamari. And it becomes the most awesome, awesome shrimp dip. And for a marinade, what I did was I pureed garlic with a spoonful of my cocktail sauce and olive oil and a little bit of Worcestershire and a good, you know, good amount of olive oil. And I marinated my shrimp in that and we grilled it and then we served it with my beautiful Creole cocktail sauce. And it was so exciting. It made everyone excited. They loved it. And I gave them, oh, I know I'm on a roll. It was excited, it was lovely. I made my world famous pastrami tacos. So exciting. So we took beautiful Katz's pastrami that's near us, Katz's Deli, but wherever you are, a gorgeous pastrami, but not, you know, not from the supermarket, from like a good deli. You want a good Jewish style pastrami. And I took taco shells, in this case, mini taco shells. And if you can't find mini taco shells, you can make them on your own, or you could use Tostitos or Scoopals or anything like that. And in the taco shells, I put a slice of pickle on the bottom and a nice amount of pastrami, and I then gave it a good drizzle of a beautiful mustard. I took French's mustard, and I mixed it with grain mustard and Dijon, and I got kind of like a deli kind of flavored mustard. A good amount of mustard, and topped it with sauerkraut. Served it all hot, where the pastrami was hot, and the sauerkraut was hot, but not the pickles or the shell. Anyway, it was so exciting, and it made everyone so excited. It was really, really exciting. And I just loved, I had a big group of happy people, and they were almost singing with the food. I just knew, I mean, it's nothing better in the world than making people deeply, truly happy by making their stomach sing and their soul sing. I mean... They really had some gorgeous food, and it made me feel pretty darn good inside. Then I was on a roll, right? So I served them my barbecue brisket sliders, which was our all-day barbecue brisket that we pulled up. I kind of pulled it apart a little bit, mixed it with a little extra barbecue sauce, put it in a slider bun, and gave a nice slice of dill pickle. That was so exciting. 
So I'm feeling jazzed about all this beautiful food. And then I thought, well, what about the vegans? You know, we cannot forget the vegetarians and the vegans. So the trick is to make vegan food so delicious and vegetarian food so delicious that nobody ever feels like they're suffering. You know what I mean? As a matter of fact, it tastes as good or better than the other option. So I serve them my famous vegan mac and cheese fritters, which I've given you the recipe for before. So I'm not going to give it to you again, but if you want it, just write to me through theragingskillet.com and I will give you my vegan mac and cheese fritter recipe because it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. But what I did is because we had just done these gorgeous barbecue brisket sliders, I wanted to show them a different alternative. We cooked down jackfruit, which you can buy in a can, kind of cut it up and you cook it down. You really have to cook it for a while and mush it and added a ton of barbecue sauce and cooked and cooked, and I actually added a good amount of fresh orange juice because I love what that does, the barbecue and the orange juice, and cooked it forever. And then we gave them sliders with the barbecue jackfruit with a slice of tomato and a little bit of pickled red onion. And you know what? They loved it. I mean, it's called the vegan pulled pork for a reason. It's similar in texture, and the flavor was great. It was so exciting. So all of these people were so happy. And then I didn't let let the night end on all the food. I wanted it to end on a sweet note. So I cranked out some of my famous sugar. I gave them apple pie tacos. That was exciting. So we had some little baby taco shells that were made, we had them made out of graham cracker. Now you may be hard to find that, but what you could do instead is take a taco shell, use a cookie cutter, cut a small little circle, and give it a little bit of oil, a little bit of graham cracker crust, crumbles from graham crackers, and then toast it in the oven. And if you wanna give it that turn sh- shape, like the taco shells, you can use a muffin pan or some so- something to hold it, so give it the oil, it'll kind of keep the shape. And so you'll get the same effect. And then what I did was heated up apple pie filling and filled it into little baby tacos and topped it with whipped cream. I'm telling you, a baby apple pie taco is about as exciting as life can get. You know what I mean? Kind of a great way to end such an exciting day too. So I know we're going around the world. Here's what I want to tell you. If you're going to drag your children to Florida for the whole summer, you make sure that you have air conditioning and a television. Certainly nowadays, you also make sure they have a computer and that they get some exercise so they don't just sit around being miserable and fat. You know, it's not cool. And if someone has wronged you, especially if it's someone you love, especially if it's, you know, deep and funky, if someone has wronged you, don't hang on to the fury and the hate and the chazarai, you know? Find a way to let it go and try to forgive them. But if you can't forgive them, you just, you know, it's just too bad and deep and funky and you can't forgive them, then forgive yourself. Do a lot of forgiving because that weight is not good for your kishkas. It's going to give you acid reflux. It's going to make you constipated. It'll give you ulcers. You know, you'll probably grind your teeth and then your teeth won't be pretty. You know, there's a lot of things that can come from that. So just try. Try to forgive them. And if you can't forgive them, you know, try to at least chip away at it a little bit. Like maybe say, okay, well, I can't forgive them because they were too much of a dingleberry, but I forgive their 
pinky and their toe. You know, and the next day, I forgive their elbow and their knee. Maybe you could work on it that way. What do you think? Just a thought. Well, I don't know. But what I do know is that we all just try. You know, I try to do the best I can. Do I make mistakes all the time? Do you make mistakes? Of course you do. Are you perfect? No one's perfect. You know, so just try to do the best you can. Try to be honest. Try to be decent. Try to be good. Try to be kind. You know, when in doubt, nice it out. There you go. How's that? I think I just made that up. When in doubt, nice it out. Yeah, I kind of dig it. So I've kind of taken the... the attitude the last few years that when someone does something bad for me my of course my gut reaction is to lash out I want revenge or I want to defend myself or all of those natural things but these days I'm trying to kind of turn it around to when someone does something that hurts me I try to do something kind to someone else so instead of darkening the world with more crap and chazarai. I try to lighten the world with more goodness and decency. It's interesting. Like I've had some horrifying clients, as you know. I had some horrifying clients in May that really traumatized me. And it was a strange feeling because I'm used to being just loved and adored all the time by my clients. And these ones, I think they were just honestly nuts. They were rather, you know, cuckoo bird, you know? Um, no offense to the mentally ill, you know that I am a big advocate and we've talked a lot about that, but I think this was, I don't know what this was, some sort of, uh, uh, arrested development, addicted to cruelty combination. I'm not so sure, but they were really horrible and disrespectful and terrible. And I'm not going to keep talking about them because it only makes me feel bad. But what I did with that was I tried to take that and turn it around and be extra nice to other people, especially to be extra nice to the people that these culprits had been mean to, to just fill the world with decency and goodness since some dingleberries were trying to fill the world with neurosis and cruelty. You know what I mean? So think about it. Let's say you, uh, your boss is mean to you. Well, first of all, I'm really sorry because a lot of people have bosses who are mean to them and there's no excuse for that. And I hope that you could find a way to quit and get a better boss or do something to take care of yourself. But let's say your boss is mean to you. So you can't, you know, give your boss the finger or t- tell him, you know, what he can do with what he just said. Or maybe you can. I don't know. It might feel good. But maybe instead... You can find someone who's in need, who's lonely, who's sad, who's hurt, who's desperate, and give them kindness and give them love. And it'll, it'll make you feel pretty good. I think I might have told you a year or so ago the story that I was feeling really angry and funky and really put upon one day. I was on my way to work and I couldn't stop thinking about it. I was caught in that hamster trail kind of spiral. And... On my way to work, it was just, I didn't even really think of anything but that. I was just spinning in fury. And a blind woman stopped me and she said, excuse me, could you help me find my bus stop? And I just stopped in my track. She was a sweet, sweet little thing. And I took her arm. It's pre-COVID back when you could actually take someone's arm. And I walked her to her bus stop And prior to that, I'd been obsessed with not being late for work, and I forgot all about that. 
I walked her to her bus stop. I waited with her until her bus came. I helped her on the bus. She was so sweet and grateful. And after her bus took off, I stayed there for a minute and I realized that I felt completely at peace. I felt total serenity, like almost, it seemed like the nicest I'd felt maybe in my entire life. I don't know, I just felt fantastic. And I walked slowly to work, feeling listful and peaceful and just magical. And it was just so interesting. I said, that's all it took? Being kind. And I was released. So I better stop rambling because it's getting late. I wish you peace and serenity. And please share kindness and decency. And please try and forgive yourself and forgive whoever you're hating. And just let it all go. Life is so short. It really is. Live every single day of it. This is Rossi for Raging and Eating. And as always, food is love and so are you.